Are you ready? Power. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! What we've got here is failure to communicate. I'm building an alliance. God bless the internet. Okay, let's party. It's showtime. It's time for the Alliance Guys Podcast, with your hosts Kevin Fraser, Jaden, DKM, and Jay Cal. What is up, everybody? Somebody still has their YouTube on. This is the Alliance Guys Podcast, a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com, your number one source for news, for information, for the national Wrestling Alliance. My name is Jay Cal, and I'm joined with some of my best buds. You've got, uh, well, below me, you've got uh, Jaden from Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators. You've got Tim Wood from NWA Gold. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. DKM. Welcome to the podcast, fellas. Did you just tell me to blow you? And, and 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 now it starts. Good night, everybody. Wow. And that's the, and that's the show. So what's up, guys? How are you? How's everyone doing? I'm here. Doing good, man. Doing good. I haven't killed anybody today. I'm doing okay, I guess. Day's not over, over yet. yet. <laughs> yeah, it ain't over yet. <laughs> hey, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but we just hit uh, 1K on our YouTube channel. Are you, did you guys know that? I had heard that. Well, I, I want to personally, uh, we said it on the uh, the uh, uh, pre-party the other night. I want to take another opportunity to say thanks to all of you guys who've watched this podcast over the last two years uh, here on YouTube. Uh, we started this channel back in... Uh, I said two years. It's closer to four years now. We started this uh, this podcast, this uh, YouTube page, in uh, 2018. In fact, May 30th, 2018. In four days, will have been four years since we started this group, this page. Um, and since then, it's uh, been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of smiles, a lot of tears, and a lot of uh, overall uh, just gratefulness that you guys have been a part of this. Uh, we've been uploading daily content, small little video clips. We've been doing this weekly podcast now for about three or four years. I don't even remember. Uh, before that, our, our podcasts were all just uh, audio only. We started doing video just in the last couple of years. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for everyone who's been a part of the Alliance Guys podcast. And that includes Mr. Mr. Wood right here. Of course, Jaden, DKM, Kevin Frazier, uh, our pal Jeremy over uh, wrestling with MMA, uh, Lamb, uh, everyone that's been a part of this group. That's helped grow it. Um, I also don't want to leave out Dave Scooby, Rick Delson. You say helped grow it? I did say grow it, and I was hoping you're going to let that slide. No, um, no, 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 no. My dad was an English teacher. I ain't going to let that slide. It's ninety slang. You can get away with it. Who helped this channel grow to its volume now? So again, guys, this is the this is the thank you part. Next week we'll be talking about title belts. Mr. Tim Wood will join us on. Uh, the pre-party where we'll make that announcement. Hopefully you guys can be there for that. Um, but I also, uh, before you interrupt me, I, I wanted to make sure I shouted out Dave Scooby and Rick Del Santo, uh, both for their joint contributions to the podcast as well. 
And with that being said, let's talk some NWA. Uh, the question that I posed uh, in the description of this video is about our world's heavyweight champion, Matt Cardona. Are you Who? happy, Matt Cardona? I did say that correctly. You can tell your English teaching father that I got that one right. <laughs> What do we think about Matt Cardona and his run as world's heavyweight champion? Jaden, uh, you know, because of the help that you've done with uh, Dr. Lawrence Arconium out there at Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators, you've seen many of world champions uh, come in and out of your area. What do you think about Matt Cardona as a world champion? If he was defending it all the places he was wrestling, I would have thought he'd been great. Does he even defend it in the NWA? Eh, that's debatable. So, I like the name. He's a talented guy. And I once said that if he was out of the WWE, somebody would be smart enough to make money with him and they'll be able to do it easily. I don't think Billy Corgan is that guy. And I don't think the NWA is the um, launching pad that needs to use Matt Cardona to take that title into the stratosphere. Uh, Tim, what do you, how do you feel about this world champion? I mean, uh, with the work that you do at NWA Gold, I mean, you've, you've referenced, you've researched, you've re-examined many championship belts, but the men that have also held them, I know you've learned their <laughs> stories as well. What do you think about the job that Matt Cardona is doing as world's heavyweight champion? I think the job that he's doing is pretty disappointing. And, and Jaden, uh, Jaden put the nail on the head. If he, if he had uh, been defending it in all the places where we see and hear him appearing outside the NWA, amazing. But he's not. I don't even know how many title defenses he's had uh, in the NWA, but it's a handful at most. I think he was the right guy to put the title on, even at the expense of Trevor Murdoch. Um, and I like Trevor Murdoch. It was just, here's an opportunity. And, you know, this is a guy who came out of a place that, you know, he didn't want to be in and made something out of himself. And we, I feel like the NWA kind of hitched their wagon to that particular star. And they should have allowed him or pressured him. I don't know how, what the arrangement is to do more with that title than he's doing. It's a bit of a disappointment. And of course, DKM, our resident wrestling historian, your thoughts on Matt Cardona's 10 pounds he just hit 100 days i did want to point that out too he just hit 100 days as your world's heavyweight champion how do you feel about the job he's done as world's heavyweight champion well i'm not i don't think he's done a horrible job but the truth is he hasn't done a good job and more importantly we were kind of sold the bill of goods when it came to him you know, the reason he was brought in, the reason they didn't have to build him up or build to a title match or, you know, the reason they rushed to put the title on him because this guy was money and he was exposure and he was going to take the title everywhere. And, you know, you know, fans loved him. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but he's actually cooled off now, just like most things. He's still wrestling a lot of places, but people don't talk about him as much as they and I think some of that might be a little bit of overexposure too. Mm -hmm. But 
we were kind of sold the bill of goods about how he was going to take the title everywhere and get us, you know, uh, all this recognition, us being the NWA. <laughs> and I haven't really seen that happening. I mean, he, he main event smaller promotions. Uh, he main evented GCW for a short period of time. He doesn't main event Impact. So, I mean, I I don't know that we were getting what we were sold by putting the title on. I uh, wanted to point out that uh, Matt Cardona's 100-day reign as champion started around February 12th, uh, 2022. Uh, you know, with just 100 days. Uh, and in that time, what we've seen from Cardona is uh, a total of uh, four, excuse me, three defenses of the 10 pounds of gold. Of course, he famously wrestled Nick Aldis at the Crockett Cup, where he won by disqualification. He 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 did defeat uh, Elijah Burke, the Pope, in a very clean match on NWA Power. Can't really uh, fault him on that one. Uh, he also defeated Richard Holiday at the All-Star Wrestling in uh, West Virginia at their 16th anniversary show, where it was a title versus title match. Uh, originally, it was supposed to be Davey Richards in that match, but he had to uh, bail out at the last minute, and Richard Holiday came in for the replacement. Uh, and that's where uh, our world's heavyweight champion also acquired the ASW heavyweight championship. Uh, but I also want to point out that he's had roughly 24 matches in total since February, and only a handful of those have been for the NWA. Now, it was expected when he became champion that, of course, he had other obligations and other bookings that he was going to honor, of course. But since becoming World's Heavyweight Champion, uh, the only place he's defended that title outside of the NWA ring is All-Star Wrestling. We haven't seen him take that title anywhere else. I mean, famously, Nick Aldis took that belt all across the globe to China, to, to Europe, uh, you know, uh, specifically the UK, he defended that title in Canada. He's defended the title all, all over the United States. Uh, and I, I don't expect anybody to match that level of uh, commitment to the title and, and defending it and putting it in everywhere that it went. But we also have to keep in mind that, uh, you know, to what, what Jaden said, what DKM said, you know, this, this, this title run, just hasn't uh, delivered like like Tim said as well uh, I think we're all kind of on the same page here the belt just doesn't seem to have the mileage it had when Nick Aldis first won it back in 2017 and you know to a lesser extent Trevor Murdoch also had difficulty getting those title defenses outside of the NWA we didn't really see him take that title anywhere except for that one event in St. Louis the um, I think it's uh, SCIW uh, where he wrestled one match uh, outside of the NWA, defended the 10 pounds of gold. Uh, do you feel that might be a problem for the NWA that the champions are are not, well, the world's heavyweight champion isn't really well represented outside of the NWA? Tim, I mean, what do you think? Do you think that the, the, the belt should be defended outside of the NWA or is it something that should be specific to uh, Billy Corgan's uh, NWA? No, you know, who Jaden really got me thinking about that a few weeks ago when he asked me... Uh, on this show, do you think that basically that question, do you think that the NWA champion should travel? And I had to think about that a while. Absolutely, I do. I think that uh, he should be all over the place. And we're, 
we're not talking about a company here who's has reaching a national audience in the same way that you know the big two are um or, or even ways like mlw are right now we're just we're just not and getting into the independence which the nwa is um is is the way to go and you know with cardona i i'm afraid that it's just like the upside for cardona for me and i i i like nick all this is that he's not Nick Aldis. I don't want to see the the title on Aldis. And I'm afraid that he was just a short, he's a short champion to get to move the title from Murdoch back to Aldis. Uh, DK, same question to you, man. What do you think? Well, he needs to be out there. He needs to be out there as NWA champion. He needs to be winning. I'm looking on Jay's favorite website, Cage Match. It's a, good, it's a good site. It's not and always so, accurate, but it's pretty good. No, I mean, it doesn't have everything, but it records enough to give you a picture. So since April 1st, you know, which was the WrestleMania weekend, he has a he has a win for the defending the Impact Digital Media title. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lost in a tag team match with uh, Nick Aldis and uh, Mickey James against Charles Green and him. Uh, he lost to Chris Dickinson at Joey Janela's spring break thing. Uh, beat someone named Gino Medina for GCWA. I don't know who that is. Gino's a local Texas talent. Yeah. And I don't know who that is. Yeah. Uh, NWA World Title ASW title. He did defeat Richard Holiday, who was fighting for Davy Richard. So he he didn't beat the champion to win a championship. But real quick with Richard Holiday too, I want to just point out like at least he's a top tier guy. I mean, in MLW, yeah. they're, they're building towards a match with him and Hammerstone. He was part of that group, the collective with uh, Hammerstone and MJF. So he he plays a pivotal role in MLW. Now, this was outside of MLW, but I, I just want to point out that it, it's kind of a higher caliber athlete. Yeah, I mean, that's a good win. It's yeah. a good title defense. Uh, defeated Josh Pro- Prohibition. Whoa. That's a, yeah. that's a Josh Prohibition used to team with Matt Cross. Uh, in the early 2000s as part of uh, Youth in Asia. Uh, they they tag-teamed all over the independents. Um, I didn't know he was still wrestling, to be honest with you. But uh, Well, that was all. for the AIW Absolute title. Uh, for Impact, in a World Tag Team title elimination challenge. Uh, let me see if I can find out who he teamed with. I'm not seeing it right away. Oh, uh, major players Brian Myers and Matt Cardona. So they were in it, so they didn't win that. Uh, Lost the NYWC title in a triple threat match. I don't know if he was pinned or. If the other guy in the triple threat was pinned. Right, right. Uh, lost to the 
Dark Order, Alex Reynolds and John Silver with Brian Myers. Now is that creative pro? Yeah, I guess. See it? Cap. Yeah. And, uh, let's see. Lost in a FWF hardcore title match in New York. Uh, lost in a AIW intense title match by DQ. Which means he kept the title. It's, yeah. And let's see. Lost in a big multiple tag team title match at the same show and an AIW match. Yeah. So one of those. What do three, four? I guess an eight-person tag. And so, but you know, his last three matches have all been losses. Actually, his last four, five. So, you know, it's it's not good enough to just be out there. That's what I took a long time to say. It's not good enough to just be out there. <laughs> well, it. I mean, there's something to, you know, if there was some exclusivity where the only place you could see Matt Cardona is in the NWA, then, you know, I guess I'd be okay with, a, a, you know, three title defenses in a 100-day period. I mean, in the olden days, there was that 30-day rule that if a champion couldn't defend the title in a 30-day window, they would strip him of the title. Now, you look at uh, the NWA as it currently sits. Now, there was a live event just a couple weeks ago in uh oak grove kentucky that that uh matt cardona did not participate in uh under the old nwa guidelines he would have been stripped of the title so it's it's i don't know he is a guy that i think has a ton of upside and i think there's a lot of potential in using a guy like matt cardona but if they're not going to use him the way that will benefit them i think they're just you know wasting money wasting time because we could have that chance. Trevor Murdoch was this guy. Trevor Murdoch was moving that ball as much as Matt Cardona was. Uh, I don't. I don't really see much of a difference as them being champions. Uh, to to DKM's point, they're not talking about Matt Cardona as NWA World's Heavyweight Champion on the podcast anymore. You don't hear it on Busted Open where they're talking about what Cardona is doing for the NWA. Hell, they talk more about what Nick Aldis is doing for the NWA than what Matt Cardona is doing for the NWA. So. Um, I, I guess that's we're in agreement. We're in unison that the reign of Matt Cardona, at least up until this point, has been pretty un- underwhelming. Would I would I be correct in saying that? Wouldn't have any arguments for me. No, hundred percent, not at all. So, with that being said, and I I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I want to look at another champion within the NWA who I think is doing it absolutely correctly. And that's Homicide, the World Junior Heavyweight Champion. Uh, contrar- contrarily to what Matt Cardona has done, he's defended that title twice on NWA USA, twice on NWA Power. Uh, we know that there's a, a title defense that's at Power Trip. We don't know the results of that just yet. But he's been defending that title on the independent circuit uh, uh, as well as uh, 
in the NWA. He's been very much out there as a world junior heavyweight champion. Jade, I know you're quite familiar with Homicide. What do you think about the job he's doing as world junior heavyweight champion? Do you remember at the interview with Chance Prophet, former Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators heavyweight champion, where he was talking about how there was a lot of promoters outside of the NWA who were very, very willing to put an NWA championship match on their card just because they love the NWA letters and name, even though they weren't in any way, shape, or form associated with the NWA or maybe even a very, very loose association. Because they liked the NWA's name and it still meant something to them and to their crowd, they did it. Homicide's taking advantage of that. So that basically leaves no excuse for anybody else not taking advantage of that. If... There are still, and I'm going to call it Mark promoters out there, and I don't mean Mark promoters who are Marks because they put on wrestling and hang out with names and do all stuff. I mean actual people that are fans of the NWA who are still very happy to have an NWA's champion on their card in defending. So why isn't the NWA out there facilitating that relationship? Maybe, just maybe, it was because the old NWA used to have Anytime the championship was defended anywhere, it was on their website, was on any kind of news whatsoever. They were constantly talking about it. It was the talk of the Alliance-Wrestling.com message board forever. Maybe, just again, maybe it's because this NWA, if it doesn't happen on badly booked Billy Corgan television, it doesn't happen. And so maybe, just maybe, people don't want to do it because they're not getting anything out of it. But to Homicide, great job. He's doing a great job. He's uh, doing what a champion should be doing. He's always been a talented wrestler, always been a fan of mine. He's actually a fan of mine. I've always been a fan of his, I should say. He loves me too, though, in case you're wondering. um, He's a very good wrestler. He can do. He's held. He has a big-time championship pedigree, both in and out of the NWA, and he's taken that junior heavyweight championship and making it mean something more than I can say about any other champion right now in the NWA. Uh, Tim, what what are your thoughts? I mean, with... He's not going out to other promotions, other independents, but he doesn't need to because he's found a way, as you pointed out, on power in USA... Every match is a title match. That's my my thing. Uh, to go out and and you know uh, do a great job every time we see him. It's exciting to see Mister One Eight Seven. You know he's he's a longtime fan favorite, and I think that part of it too, for you know, comparatively to Cardona, is that Cardona portrays a chicken shit heel, right? He's, he's cowardly. He's clutching that title to his chest. You can't have it. I don't have to defend it against you. Maybe that's part of the problem when it comes to the booking. It, it might be more have been more successful for Cardona. Yeah, if he went outside to other promotions. But even within the NWA, if he were defending it on a, on a more frequent basis, that might have helped too. But yeah, Homicide's doing it right with what he's got right now for sure. And it's great to see it happen. DK, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I'm looking at him on on a cage cage match, and you know, you, you see where 
he's wrestled more and had more title matches and uh, only has one loss and that was in uh, recently and that was in uh, New Japan Strong where he lost to Will Ospreay and so you know hey I would say there's no shame in that whatsoever no, and so you know Tim pointed out we're seeing two different ways to book a title and there are times that you do want the chicken shit heel and stuff like that I don't, this isn't one of you know when when you only promote you know four shows in a four month period and three of them are back to back to back <laughs> it's you know you you got to the champion's got to mean something heel face tweener whatever you want and they're not they're not doing that with the world champion but they are pushing the junior heavyweight champion and so maybe we need homicide just slap the taste out of matt cardona i mean that wouldn't that be exciting uh i want to point out that uh our boy Homicide has had five title defenses. I know Cage Match only lists four, but he also faced pretty Peter Avalon on April the 10th for a Catalyst Wrestling. So, I mean, that he, he's, he's had more title defenses in less time. He's had more TV time on uh, power than, of course, Matt Cardona has. Uh, not power, but on NWA programming. So, it's just it's a slam dunk where you've got this junior heavyweight champion who had a big name outside of the NWA before he came to the NWA uh, and has been doing everything right as champion. And then you got Matt Cardona, who, again, I don't want to fault this just on Matt Cardona. I mean, look, people have to be willing to book him and willing to use him. And maybe that's part of the problem as well. I don't know. But uh, you can see there's a dichotomy there between the two world champions, both your heavyweight and junior heavyweight. And, uh, you know, uh, ideally... Uh, that gap would be closed. Uh, and who knows, maybe after uh, Always Ready, we'll see a more uh, vigilant world's heavyweight champion. Or maybe we'll just see Nick Aldis regain the title. Uh, I guess that remains to be seen and how that will all play out. But I thought it was at least worth uh, having that conversation. Uh, so... In other NWA wrestling news, and I'm having difficulty pulling up my document here, so I'll just freehand here. Uh, we do know that uh, there's been some more matches announced for the pay-per-view. Um, always ready. Uh, initially, we knew um, the the big match that I think uh, caught a lot of people off guard. It's, it's being billed as the swan song for Aaron Stevens, and that's the matchup uh, be between he and Trevor Murdoch. Uh Initially, you know, the rivalry these two had kind of helped spearhead the NWA and the, the mid-card uh, for the NWA uh, in the first two seasons of power. Remember, both of them fought over the national championship. Uh, of course, all the uh, silliness with the question mark was put into this, but eventually uh, Trevor Murdoch would defeat Aaron Stevens for that national championship on a primetime live episode. Uh, first of all, I'm going to go to you, Tim. Your thoughts on Aaron Stevens' recent run in the NWA, and do you really think this is goodbye for Aaron Stevens? Don't think much of the recent run from Aaron in the NWA. 
have been a fan in the past. Uh, um, I look. I I don't think this is the end. I don't I don't know anything, but I like to think that this this is uh, this is not legit, so to speak. Um, I think you got two guys right now, both who are who are great talents, who don't have anything to do, and they've got to figure something out. You know, with uh, with the two of them, but um, but it's possible that he's leaving. Like after Impact, Aaron went away for two years or or so. I don't think he was doing anything. Yeah. So and then he came to the NWA, and we had some fun with Aaron for the last two years. Maybe this is it. Don't don't currently buy it, and if it isn't, I hope that they improve what it is that he's doing. Jade, what do you think? I kind of hope not, but. Maybe he's doing some acting. I know he actually did a little bit of that legitimately. Mm -hmm. um, he might have a role or something like that. Maybe he'll come back as a mask guy. God, I hope not. <laughs> but uh, Aaron Stevens has a talent. I'm not sure why he would even consider leaving. Um, maybe it's just he lost a smile. Maybe it's uh, the NWA's booking. But um, uh I'm happy to see the match. I do. I do like Aaron Stevens. I do like Trevor Murdoch. So I'm happy to see that match. It's probably one of the more matches that have me a little more interested than most. But uh, it, uh, there's no reason, no real signs on how they should have built this. It just came out of nowhere. So if they knew they were going to do this, they should have built it up for a while and made some hints and everything that that's going to happen and have a reason for this to happen. And if it just came out of nowhere, um, I guess that's a good swan song for Aaron Stevens. DK? Well, there was a small build-up, but not a good build-up. Uh, I don't know if it's real or not. The more it's said, the more I think it's not. As in, you know, that's kind of the way wrestling works. Uh, can he be going away for a while? Sure. You know, sometimes people need to go away. Sometimes they need to, you know, as the old joke goes, I can't miss you if you don't go away. <laughs> and sometimes you need to miss people. Honestly, that's what I've been saying about Nick Aldis. He's always there. When he takes time off, it's for a week. And then he's always there. Yeah. And it's like, you know, Give Nick Aldis a six-month break. Give us a chance to miss him. Give us a chance to be excited that he's coming back to challenge for the title. Instead of going, oh, crap. Not again. Yeah. And, I couldn't uh, agree more. could not agree more. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Because I, I don't know what they're doing with Trevor Murdoch either anymore. And we'll talk about that when we talk about power, but... I don't know what's going on. Hopefully, it will be a good match. And it all And I, you look, I honestly think it's going to be a good match. I don't, I don't see how it could not be a good match. These guys have shared the ring with each other six times uh, over the last, uh, you know, four years uh, between Power, Primetime Live, and Pay Per View. So I, I do feel like these guys can have a great match together. 
Um, I think uh, it's a very telling story with Stevens kind of unsure where he fits into this world. And Trevor Murdoch is just angry, just a very, very angry man. Um, so there is a bit of a story there, but uh, it, you know, we do know that Aaron Stevens does a lot of behind the scenes work for Hollywood. He works in the creative with championship wrestling from Hollywood. Uh, he, you know, he might be taking more of a back scene, uh, backside, backside, no, a uh, backstage role for the NWA. Uh, I'm not certain where he will fit in going forward. If this genuinely is a swan song. Uh, but you know, I, I will say this, that I, I enjoyed Stevenson's work in, in, uh, in the NWA, uh, would hate to see it come to a close, but of course, if that's what it involved, you know, if that's what it takes for the show to move forward, then, then so be it. Uh, are we ready to talk about USA? USA, USA. Sure. <laughs> uh, real quick, our pal Luthes says, "I'm not saying the National Treasure is too involved, but if the NWA put out a DVD titled Munchnik, I would assume it was the best of an Aldous compilation." <laughs> That's great. That, thank you, Lou. That I appreciate the humor. That was awesome. Okay. I'm um, not that entertained in a while. So NWA USA was a mixed bag. Uh, you know, I, I, I constantly watch this uh, show every week. You know, our pal uh, Bobby Bobby Batito was always saying which matches he liked on USA, and I and I try to I try to come at it with fresh eyes. I try not to put the same. Uh, prejudices that I've uh, grown to have from power onto USA. I try to treat it like it's a separate entity, try to treat it like it's a separate show. And from time to time, it's, it's a lot of times it's good. Lately, I don't feel like it has been. Uh, this episode, like I said, was a mixed bag. So we start off with uh, the episode with uh, Mae Valentine in the back, and she's with Sal Renaro. Um, I'm not going to call him my pal Sal because he is no friend of mine. However, he sings both parts uh, to uh, Friends and also House of the Rising Sun. Um, this this whole thing is a little odd to me. I'm not sure how they're trying to develop this character. I don't know what they're trying to do with him. Um, I don't know if this was the best use of, of TV time. Uh, DK, did, what did you think about this? I thought, why am I watching this? I had no more thoughts on that. Why? Why? <laughs> Tim, did you have thoughts? <laughs> I like Sal Renaro. Like, I'm sorry, a, you can't a, be on the show anymore. No, no, no. no. <laughs> as a talent, I hate the way he's being used. I didn't buy the Dungeon of Doom when I was I don't know how when the hell was the Dungeon of Doom? Was I 14 or something like that then? It was hokey then. It's even dumber now. This isn't the NWA that I, you know, when I was a child, I, I went away from the WWF because I couldn't get into this stuff. This segment was meaningless and, and silly. You know, the, the thing about this is, uh, and we said it last week too, is, you know, Billy Corgan bought a legacy brand and, and, I, I was there in uh, uh, the Car Carboros Arena, whatever it was called in Charlotte, when they talked about the NWA, when Billy Corgan with Jim Cornette sat up on the stage. You can watch that video on this YouTube channel. Uh, but during that whole segment, 
I mean, he talked about the rich history and tradition of like the Chicago independent wrestling and the NWA in Chicago from when he was a kid. And it was, it sounded very romantic. Like he was really much in love with the product from that bygone era. And I kind of thought that maybe when he was taking over the NWA of modern day, we would see more of a, uh, you know, a, a callback to that kind of wrestling, more of the uh, traditional uh, uh, historical style of wrestling. And what we're seeing, I feel like, is uh, some sort of bastardized version of everything that I hated about the WWF growing up, everything I didn't like about Impact Wrestling a few years ago, and in this menagerie of garbage. It's it just these gimmicks are stupid. And, and I think there is a good place for Sinister Minister. And I even think that they could have done something interesting with Judeus. But this whole, uh, uh, what is it called? The uh, whatever, the ill-deprived, whatever they are. Uh, it just, it, it's it's not it's not good. It's not entertaining to me. I mean, it's, it's really easy for any of us in the chat or, or on the show right now to armchair book. But five minutes. Couldn't you come up with something better than that segment? Yeah. Couldn't, when you've got to, hey, listen, you and May have been friends since the first episode way back with with uh, with Boys. Isaac. That's right. You know, you were you were her buddy. Just like maybe she'd just something like, Sal, what's wrong with you? You need to come back from the dark side, and even that would have been better. Yes. Yes. Billy, Billy I'll I'll leave my number at the uh, bottom of the scrolling thing. Just give me a call. <laughs> uh, Dave Scooby corrected me. It's miserably faithful. Miserably faithful. Which, I mean, look, we're all miserable after watching that segment. So moving on. Um, in the booth, but we have. We're not faithful. We're not. Yeah, not faithful to that. No. Uh, in the booth, we have William Patrick Corgan joining Velvet Sky and Joe Galley. And, you know, I'll be honest, sometimes I do appreciate hearing. Uh, Billy in the booth, not because I feel like I'm going to gain some sort of uh, historic relevance of what the product is or, or what's happening, but like I want to hear what he's like tickled about what he likes and what he sees in the ring and when you hear him get excited, maybe maybe you know kind of an idea of like oh, he appreciates that, maybe we'll see more of that. It, there is a little bit of insight with him in the booth um, and most of all, it's not Austin Idol so you don't have to hear uh, Sky going back and forth with Idol um, so that's always a good thing. Uh, the first match we get, which is, I, I don't know why you would open up a match, uh, a, a, a television show with your world junior heavyweight title, but nevertheless, we get Black's G's versus Homicide. Um, now, I believe this, I, I said earlier uh, that uh, Homicide has had five title defenses since winning the World Junior Heavyweight Championship, and that's just what I know of. I mean, there could be other matches that we missed or that aren't listed on uh cage match again that's why that site is uh it's kind of limited because they don't go out and search for the results if you don't if they're not prominently displayed they won't find them uh this is his second title match on nwa usa of course the first one was against doug williams um and this match was a heck of a lot more competitive than i thought it would be um black g's looked pretty good to me i, I know uh dk had a spot where he he'll probably talk about here in a minute um, the conclusion of the match was side hitting his cutter off the top rope. Um, and despite just a few hiccups, I thought it was a pretty good match. DKM, what did you think of this matchup between Homicide and Black Jeez? I felt like there was a theme this week between USA and even Power. 
in which there were good matches that went longer than their excitement level. Okay. In other words, what I'm saying was the match was good, but by the end I was bored. It wasn't exciting enough to keep me enthralled and go, oh, you know, this is really cool. And this is great, and I can't wait. Now, someone's going to have to do with who they put in these matches and how they're booked and how they're presented and my level of character. But, I mean, I felt like this one, it should have, it should have been a win for, uh, you know, homicide in about five, six minutes, really. And there was one, to me, obviously blown spot. I, somebody got lost. Somebody didn't know what they were supposed to do or whatever. But G's had homicide down homicide did that wiggle to get into position and g's climbed the rope and he's standing there with one foot on the second rope and one foot on top turnbuckle and homicide does the wiggle again to get like more in place and Jesus just standing there so homicide gets up and knocks him off the ropes and it was just almost like Okay, I don't know what was supposed to happen, but it didn't. <laughs> and because you don't just stand there. I mean, at some point, jump. <laughs> the guy will either get out of the way or you'll, you know, you know, do a nice work splash, but do a backflip. Yeah, do something. <laughs> don't just stand there. I mean, and you can almost see a homicide going like, what the hell? <laughs> okay, I'll get up. <laughs> and at least when he got up, he, he even acted like he was a little, you know, droggy or something. And Jesus is like staring at him. And I don't know what happened. Uh, it was a little more competitive than I thought it should be. It went a little longer than I thought it should be. But overall, isolated. It was a good match. Tim, did you Tim. like it? Yeah, largely I agree. I, I hate those moments. And you see them far too often these days when... One guy's going up, the other guy's on his back. He's looking like, oh, gotta, gotta slide over here to the. I mean, come on, man. Like, keep me in it, you know? Um, I thought it, it was a good match. It had more false finishes than it probably needed. Uh, I feel like Homicide could, should be able to beat Black G's with the Northeast Bomb. Takes that second rope cutter. Um, to, to get the job done, but it was a good yeah. match. Yeah, if, if you're going to use G's outside a managerial role, this is this is probably where he needs to be. Yeah, um, I mean, there's not a whole lot more to add to that. Uh, again, uh, you know, maybe this wasn't a main event caliber match, but I feel like this match should have been the one that went on last, considering the stakes that were uh, in play. But uh, coming up next after that match, we have uh, Nick Aldis uh, with Kyle at the podium. Now, this is where Nick Aldis really does excel. And, uh, you know, he's definitely a great uh, public speaker. And you hear him in podcasts or interviews or anywhere outside of a wrestling ring. And he's still just as good as he is standing right there at the podium with Kyle. Um, Aldis speaks about what makes him proud to be a wrestler. Um 
essentially saying that Matt Cardona makes him a uh, should make the fans ashamed to be wrestling fans. Uh, he's asking for the fans to galvanize around him. And I, I feel like that was a throwback to the 80s, throwback to the early 90s, when wrestling was more uh, geared towards the kids. And Hulk Hogan wanted you to say your prayers and eat your vitamins and train like the Hulkamaniacs because he needed that galvanized fan base when he takes on, you know, uh, the Iron Sheik or whatever. So I kind of felt like there was that kind of energy to it, which isn't a bad thing. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's a good way to get the fan support behind you. But I also felt the entire time that Babyface Nick is going to cut a heel promo the minute that title is around his waist again. And I just feel like he's going to call the fans a bunch of idiots as soon as he wins the title. Uh, but when it got to that part of the promo, um, it just did feel a little bit disingenuous to me. But, uh, you know, I digress. It, it was a fine piece of uh, promo for the pay-per-view. Uh, Tim, what did you think of this one? Yeah, I just can't look at Nick all this and see anything but either a heel or a heel who wants you to think he's a face right now. And what DKM said earlier is he, he's got to go away for, for me to buy anything that Nick's. I'm just tired of, of Nick. Please, just please. <laughs> Somebody take him to the back. Make him a – actually, he already is a producer, is he not? He's an executive producer yeah. in the NWA. So. He He's definitely part of creative in some shape or form. Yeah, he, uh, you know, and for him to stand there at this point in his character development and turn to the audience and say, if you all get behind me one more time, I'll stop this guy who does everything that I used to do and <laughs> not as bad. Like, you know, it. Not buying it, yeah. Uh, DKM, your thoughts? Well, he's a good talker. It's one of the reasons I liked him in the beginning. A little long for me. Again, maybe, you know, a longer promo than the excitement level. He's not Dusty Rhodes. Uh, (laughs) What he wishes he was, though. My hand, reaching out to touch your hand, you know. (laughs) That's from the Hard Times promo, if anyone wants to go watch that now. And uh, I don't know. I don't, you know, Nick Aldis is kind of like a modern day Ric Flair in that way. If, if he's taking the title, he tends to be a uh, a face or face like, but when he wins the title, then he just goes back to being Ric Flair. And I don't expect. If if all regains the title, I don't expect him to be a long face champion. And uh, right now, I'm just hoping he doesn't win back the title. And you know, we've said it on the show already. Go away for a while. Make me miss you. Make me make me long for the days of when Nick Aldis was champion. Not because <laughs> not because the current champion is crap. But, you know, just that fond remembrance of then it'll be, oh, man, you know, he hasn't held the title for two years. It'll be cool for him to finally regain that. I want him to walk down like the stairs like Marty Skrull did two and a half years ago when everybody went, holy crap. And stand in the ring with whoever's champion and go, I'm back. That's that would make me like 
Jay, you call Nick all this a five-tool athlete, right? Yeah. He is. He is. I just I can't watch the same show every day, every week. I I I kind of agree with you, but I also know that he is the kind of guy that isn't going to walk away from the ring for that long. What I would have been very happy with, and it, it was something they were already kind of building towards, is they had the British invasion. They brought in Doug Williams. They were going to have Doug Williams and Nick Aldis, the British Invasion, the guys that won the, you know, IWGP tag titles, the guys that won the uh, Impact tag team titles, and they were really playing that part up. And had they gone and done the Crockett Cup, and Aldis just washed his hands of that title pitcher and was not in it at all, but focused on the tag team, focused on that part of his legacy, that part of his career, he could have went and won the tag titles with Doug Williams for all I care. It would have been a different Nick Aldis. It would have been a different scenery. And that would have left the world title picture to flourish with, you know, uh, Trevor Murdoch, Matt Cardona, Elijah Burke, the Pope, or, or whomever else they brought in to, to fill that gap. But because they pulled that rope for that, the, the rug from underneath us and put Aldis back in that title picture almost immediately once I got the belt off of Trevor Murdoch. Again, it just, I feel like it's the same old thing. And I almost feel, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, he doesn't have to go away for two years. Right. No. But like when he was injured by Strictly Business. That was a farce. If he could have gone away, literally, or two TV cycles, which would have been about six months. Yeah. But that would have been amazing. You know, and then you come back and you seek your revenge. And so you can get three to six months out of that. Then you come back and you win the tag team titles with the, you know, your old tag team partner. You know, you could get a year out of that. Yeah. And then you don't even have to be injured. You guys lose the tag team titles. Maybe you have a rematch. And then you're just kind of quiet. You know, maybe you have a match at, at a taping that's shown towards the beginning. And then it's just like, you're not, you're not gone, but you're not seen that much. You're not just out there doing promos and everything like that. Then that's when you have a title change that puts the title on a heel of some kind. You know, it's been two years now, so maybe we've run through Murdoch, we've run through uh, uh, Cardona, we've run through Pope. You know, now maybe Latimer holds the title. Right. And, you know, we had we had that feud with Latimer. Yeah. So Latimer wins the title. He's in the heel position. Now, all of a sudden, guess who's coming to congratulate him in the ring? Well, there's Nick Aldis. Could you, wait, real quick, could you, all right, remember that promo that Terry Funk gave Ric Flair when Ric Flair won the title back? And he was like, so, Rick, you know, you're champion again. How about giving me a shot? And Rick was like, well, I don't think so. And then Terry Funk beat the ever-living crap out of Ric Flair. Imagine if the NWA had the patience to do something like that. Well, well, see, kind of, lost minds. And that's kind of where I was going, you know, where all this shows up and then it's kind of like it's always there. It was kind of like when Ric Flair, when, when Barry Wyndham won the NWA title and he's the one that latched it. It's like, well, 
Is Blair there to congratulate his old four horseman buddy, or is Blair there to challenge his old four horseman buddy? You know, and Barry didn't know either. And even though that's an underneath thing, or like you said with with Funk and Flair, it's like, okay, what what's really what's really the thing? And then you spring a surprise on us. I, you know, Vladimir beats him up. He beats Vladimir up something. You know, but, you know, that's something that gets you talking. And look, I made that up in however many minutes because, I mean, literally just as we're here talking. And so it's just like, of course, that requires long-term planning, too. Right. But they need to do something. Ooh, rabbit. (laughs) Uh, So that takes us, it's funny because you mentioned Tom Latimer. That takes us to 60 seconds with Tom Latimer. Uh, again, we talked about a waste of time that uh, Sauronaro was in the beginning of the show. Uh, and I love Latimer. You guys, uh, we uh, Kevin Frazier helped convert us into Latimer fans on this show. This was not good. Um, the only thing that we learned about Tom Latimer that we didn't already know is that he likes chocolate. Uh, that's about it. He rambled on for a couple of minutes and it just really didn't go anywhere. I say a couple minutes, a couple seconds. Wasn't a very good promo. Uh, didn't do anything to make me want to see him in the ring. Didn't do anything for me to want to buy his merchandise. It didn't make me want to pursue knowing more about Latimer. It was just like, oh, this is a waste of time. Uh, you know, DK, what did you think? Well, I think he nailed something there. When you talked about, I didn't want to buy his merchandise based on watching this. Look, if you're a pro wrestler, you're a salesman. Yep. All right. You you are selling three things. Yourself, tickets to see you, and merchandise that you want people to buy. Because we got fans now that they're going to go buy heel merchandise. Yep. So, you know, that, that's one of the ways the world is. I mean, of course, that people bought Freebird records just so they could break them. Michael Hayes called them. Michael Hayes called them idiots, and I kind of agree because you know, I didn't. They I, made very cool. I didn't get this title till Tyrus got his. I'm just saying. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know what that means, but I'm going to go ignore it for right now. But you know, you're out to you're out to sell something as a pro wrestler. Buy, buy tickets to see me and buy a shirt. Yeah, I don't know. Tim, you're wearing an NWA shirt. Why are you? Jay's wearing an NWA shirt. I'm wearing a, wearing a white shirt because, well, quite frankly, I worked today and I didn't like it. Anyway, uh, but so, I mean, you know, you, you got to sell it. I mean, the last two times I bought NWA merchandise which is more like that kind of looks neat maybe I'll get it when I bought Thunder Rosa merchandise it was Thunder Rosa, Thunder Rosa, Thunder Rosa I was like a little kid I miss her what else happened Jay? well I wanted to get Tim's thoughts on the 67 oh I'm sorry Tim I thought he had talked (laughs) no that's okay Uh, guys I actually liked it 
Okay. Okay, Tim's not allowed on the show anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And now for the Democratic response. Um, (laughs) Look, Latimer, I, I thought two things. One, Latimer maybe has the most slappable face in the NWA. And like that, he's that guy right now. Um, and his entire character, which has no direction, is you know, I'm, I'm married to the world's, the women's world champion. We're the power couple. I don't have to do anything. And, and this promo was like, I'm married to Camille. She's great. Everything's great. I'll probably just go win the national title. Uh, chocolate's good. See you guys later. And I thought, that's a face I want to slap. And he's... You you forgot the dog. That's right. That's right. uh, But he's played to the character that he's been left with. But the other thing that I thought was, I don't know, maybe this is a quiet message to management to say, you haven't given me anything to talk about, so I'm not going to talk about anything. That's a a great point. That's very meta for the NWA. But you know, stranger things have happened. But yeah. I, I mean, you're you're not wrong with that assessment. What does he have to talk about? I know he's coming off of an injury, so there's not a whole lot he could do. But at the same time, even before the injury, there wasn't a whole lot that was going on for him. He took I will say it's better than Mims. Yeah, but he he, he took two losses <laughs> to Aldis before going into the spiral that he's in right now. The Crockett Cup. I mean. Again, we know now that they were injured, but both Adonis and him looked great, and then until they didn't, and they ended up losing to uh, Gold Rush. So he hasn't had a whole lot to work with anyways. Uh, yeah. And then uh, James Jackson says, you know, because we're on the topic of merchandise, hey, Jay, did you see that they have a Velvet After Dark t-shirt in the merch store? <sighs> yeah, I mean, look, I get it. Let's milk all the bad ideas now. Uh, when people actually start caring, we'll have nothing but good stuff. I don't, I don't know what the idea is with these guys. Uh, you know, Danny Deals is supposed to be the the gimmick guy, the merch guy. Come on, man. Come on. All right. Uh, <laughs> what? Let's go to the the other match on this card, and this was an actual pretty fun match. I will say that uh, uh, you know the ill begotten was off to a rocky start. Uh, it, it, it's 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 kind of weird the dynamic that they had. Remember, it started off with Captain Yuma and Rush Freeman, and then they brought in Alex Taylor, and then they brought in uh, our pal Jeremiah Plunkett. Then Danny Deal somehow becomes the manager of the group, and they kick Yuma out of it. Uh, yeah, what you know, anyway? To to Captain Yuma, mm, it just kind of disappeared, hasn't he? Well, he was advertised for a power trip, too, against Trevor Murdoch, but we'll get more into that in a bit. Um, but but then that dynamic has changed even even onto this episode because, you know, William Patrick Corgan says, well, on USA, uh, the, only, uh, the only talent that will be accompanying the tag teams to the ring or wrestlers to the rings will be managers. Well, I thought Danny Deal was their manager. They were asking about Rush Freeman, and I get it, but Freeman isn't a manager. Danny Deals is supposed to be their manager. He wasn't even there, so that was kind of an odd thing. Uh, they t- took on the makeshift tag team of Brett Buffshay versus Rodney Mack. Now, Buffshay is probably my new favorite wrestling name. Brett Buffshay, I think, is a great, great sound to it. Alex Taylor calls out Rodney Mack, and uh, Mack answers with a slap to the face. 
Uh, you know, anytime I see Rodney Mack in the ring, I just it, it does kind of take me out of the pro wrestling match because I look at him, I'm like, he is a murderer, he is a killer. You're putting him in here with little puppies and kittens, and we know that if, if this if, if the handcuffs were off, man, he could just destroy anybody in this match. Um, but uh, you know, of course, he's got to play nice because he, he likes getting booked. Uh, but the odd thing is Buff Shea and, and Mac have this uh, really solid chemistry for a first-time tag team. Uh, they're making quick tags, uh, smart tag team wrestling. You don't traditionally see that on a makeshift tag team. Um, Taylor and Plunkett uh, managed to get the ring divided and they started conquering. And, uh, you know, they kept uh, Buff Shea out to the uh, one side of the ring. And that's when it kind of became like an old Rock and Roll Express tag team match because they were putting all the heat on Buff Shea and then the hot tag to Mac. And he's in there like a house on fire, just beating the crap out of anyone that moves. Um, a lot of good teamwork between Plunkett and Taylor. But at the end of the day, uh, you had Rodney Mack with his Cobra clutch forcing Alex Taylor to, to tap out. Uh, what did you think of this match, Tim? Whose nephew is Brett, is, is Brett Boucher? <laughs> Say that again? Who's, whose nephew is Buff Shea? I've oh. never heard of him before. How did he get in this match? Uh, why does he have Jamie Stanley's sunglasses? I, I, there was nothing for me going into this. I didn't know who he was. I was moderately confused, but you can see it's like you mentioned to give Rodney the ability to get a win with a uh, Ricky Morton hot tag to Robert Gibson. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I like Rodney Mack. He's uh, he's an old dog, and uh, I like to see them do more. The last time we saw Rodney Mack, he lost because somebody blew tobacco, loose tobacco in his eyes, and it burns. It burns the loose tobacco, don't you know? So, I don't know, man. This was this was a fast-forward moment for me if, if I had thought about it a bit more. DKM, your thoughts? Didn't they kind of present it like Mac had like a mystery partner or surprise partner or something like that? Because I remember when they finally came out and announced it, I'm like, who is that? And why would you say some... I don't know if they came out and said it directly, but it does seem like they at least suggested that, oh, you know, you know. Rodney and Mac will have a partner. I'm going to guess it's one of the students. I think yeah. so, too. I mean, just going by the fact that they were able to work well together, he kind of marked like Rodney and stuff like that. I'm going to go with one of the students. Uh, he didn't look the best to me. Probably needs to get a little tighter shade, do something tan. Uh, oh, look, I... I didn't think it was a bad match. I just didn't think it was necessarily a good match. And the only thing that made me happy was how Rodney kept his cover clutch on after Weasel Boy, you know, tapped and he was still just like He's trying to challenge because that's what Rodney would do in real life. <laughs> and so that so that made me happy. Uh, so so if I were to rate this as a match to uh, ill-begotten or 
whatever they are. Jeremiah Pluckett, you know, he's a three. The ending was a three. And, you know, buffet or buffet, or he looked like he's eating at a few buffets. And, uh, and hair and beard guy, you know, negative two. Yeah, negative two for both of them. Except for he did do a good job getting the taste slapped out of his mouth by Rodney. And I couldn't, <laughs> I, I could not tell. I, I was going to go back and look and forgot to. But it almost sounded like Rodney legitimately slapped the taste out of his mouth. I was going back. I was going back to see, but it would not surprise me because it's Rodney. Why has this no is, one? Uh, why has no one given Alex Taylor a Charles Manson gimmick yet? He's got a Charlie Man- Manson vibes, like just emanating off of him. No, you're 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 not wrong with that. Um, the one thing that I, I will say about this is, uh, you know. We are towards the end of the barrel for the television tapings, and it seems like that's when all the weird matches yeah. uh, get exposed. And it's like, again, uh, you know, DKM will be the first one to tell you there was no such thing as a twenty-year plan. I, I'm, I'm now firmly believe there's no such thing as a twenty-year plan because they can't even figure out TV for eight weeks, let alone a twenty-year plan. Um, it, it shouldn't be hard to have just matches that make sense compelling storylines i mean at one point jacks dane got the slap taste out of him by rodney mack i mean he literally slapped him to the ground because he mentioned his wife being in the hall of fame and it was just such a weird dichotomy when you look at that moment where he slapped jacks dane and dane went down to now rodney mack uh a few weeks ago like uh like tim suggested or pointed out having the, the, the aired tobacco in his eyes, burning his eyes to make him lose the match. So losing to Jake Dumas, who is a mid-card guy at best, to winning this match, uh, which is very irrelevant. I mean, this would have been the time that you would have put maybe him and Jack Stane in a tag team, or in, in a match, not a tag team, but in a match for the national title. Maybe that would have been a better use of this time. Whether he win, lose, or draws, it doesn't matter that would have at least had some sort of connected connected tissue to what happened a couple months ago. But this is just random. And that's what I don't appreciate. I don't like, uh, I mean, if you're going to make a show, you know, make it all random matches, that's fine. Do that under the, uh, the power surge moniker or, or, or save those just for YouTube exclusives. I don't know, but it just kind of messes with the whole continuity and, and the connectivity of this show. And that, that that's a turnoff for me. It, it's it's it makes me not want to watch the show. Um, so okay, uh, let's let's go back to um, what else happened on this show. Uh, not that I know much of you guys want to talk about this, but the main event was uh, you know the uh, miserably faithful explode in the ring when you have Sal, your pal, not mine, and gags the gimp in a match uh they they've tried to play it off as this match was booked because the center sinister minister wanted to punish both men and i'm i'm guessing maybe that was for them for their loss uh, that they had from the dirty sexy boys uh billy calls these two uh demented and broken individuals and i, I that kind of stuck with me because he made it sound like the you know you're talking about the guy who's producing the show booking the show responsible for the show and he's trying to 
tell you that they're they're not they're they're damaged goods and that's why they act the way that they are and it almost seemed like he was trying to humanize them after trying to demonize them for the last few months so that that whole line it, it stuck with me and i just felt like well that's a weird thing to say um but anyways the the, the match you know this is worse than you know high school theater and it, that's an inside joke for anyone who knows sal beats on gags gag seems to enjoy it it's i mean it gets again this very uncomfortable level for me and this is a saturday morning show that you know with the bright colors and everything it kind of lends itself to maybe kids watching but god damn i'm not gonna let my kids watch this at one point uh gags lays his head on sal like oh i love you and and another point he just hugs sal because he's so happy that he's getting beaten on it's weird very odd behavior um then they also said that at some point uh, that Gags was biting Sal like on the thigh, but the zipper was shut. I mean, it didn't even, well, why? Well, you could have played that off any other way or at least had him take off the zipper so it was at least believable. The <laughs> zipper's on. He's, he's not biting anybody. That's just stupid. Um, You know. But uh, anyways, Gags gets the victory, and I think you're looking at your future World Junior Heavyweight Champion, DK. Uh, you said point blank you weren't going to watch this one, did you? No. I turned it off. Tim? I respect you, DK. I, uh, I suffered through this monstrosity of a, of a match. We have this uh, joke amongst... Uh, by my friends about the Godfather movies. The Godfather, great movie, Godfather 2, arguably even better, and there is no Godfather 3. <laughs> never made, don't know what you're talking about, and that's how I like to look at this match. Didn't happen, don't care to, for anything that happened in it, don't like the characters. I think what, just, you know, to, not to give it more time than it deserves, but um, you, you mentioned that strange comment that seemed to be humanizing them. I kind of assume that Billy's trying to get gags over like the question mark was, was over. And the question mark was over in, I think, in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just, it, it, it came organically, for, for lack of a better word. It just Very much that, so. That's just a thing that happened there. You can't make that happen. Or if you can, it's very, very rare. And it's not happening for me. And I, I, I honestly just hope it goes away. I I think, because I was there. I was there at the first Atlanta tapings, and I was there for the debut of the question mark. And, and uh, you know, DKM and Jaden both were never fans of the question mark. But I think that they would take this gimmick over that one any day of the week. And the thing that was organic about that gimmick with the question mark is that um, it happened in, like you said, organically because it was in front of the audience. Mm -hmm. They've been sitting through a couple hours of TV taping and you get this guy out there who's just over the top and ridiculous, but not, not in a way that would offend your sensibilities. Like pro wrestling's always had a bit of silliness to it. And I, you know, even Jim Crockett Promotions, which many people consider the holy grail of professional wrestling, even it had its silly moments. Um, the question mark was nothing more than a silly gimmick that the fans really got attached to, and it it, it kept going. Gags the gimp is seriously offensive to my sensibilities, 
It makes me not want to watch the program. It makes me not want to support the, the brand. Um, again, if my kids are watching the TV, question mark, grunting and groaning and, and practicing karate is perfectly acceptable, fine, even laughable. But gags the gimp pulling out his tongue and, you know, making very obscene gestures and, 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 and trying to like, you know, when, 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 uh, what was it? Uh, uh, dirty Dango is telling him to get down very, just not appropriate for pro wrestling, not appropriate for a younger fan base, not appropriate for kids at all. And just made me feel dirty. So I, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, I look there, I would rather them put a Lasertron mask on Gags the Gimp and let him be something else entirely. Uh, this thing's got to go away sooner than later. And if it's if it's the uh, if it's the idea that uh, Billy expects this to be something that uh, continues with the show, I, I just hope it doesn't. Um, with yeah. that being said, let's move down to. I love Lasertron, Jay. What's I that? Loved, I loved Lasertron. I was a kid when I saw Lasertron, Mondo Guerrero. I mean, yep. I loved playing Lasertron. No, no. What What was that? Not Mondo. Which Guerrero was it? Oh, Hector? Yes. My bad. Apologies to the Guerrero family. <laughs> Better. You know, I wrote an article about them uh, many, many years ago when uh, they were inducted into like a Hall of Fame. I think it was the WWE Hall of Fame. I wrote about it and Chavo shared it. Chavo Jr. I, I was a very proud moment for me. Um, so power starts off, and uh this is the season eight, the season eight, episode nine. And maybe they should have just called this show Power Trip 2, card subject to change, because a couple of the matches were reworked. Um, and I'm sure there were a lot of people disappointed when Mr. Smith wasn't cleared to wrestle. But we got some pretty good matches, and I was overall happy with the product. Um, and I know that this is going to uh, offend Willie Bowen in the audience, but the announce booth is Tim Storm, Tyrus, and Joe Galley. And I was very happy with that choice. In fact, I'm, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tyrant here, a tirade here, and say that Tyrus 100% belongs in the booth, 100% adds value to that announce booth in ways that I think only Wade Barrett did before him. Even better than Tim Storm, uh, Tyrus get, breaks down the matches. He gives you some insight into the stories and the characters that are involved in the stories. It was very refreshing to hear him. I, at this point, I'm ready to let him retire as the last NWA television champion. If they want to re bring another belt back, they can bring back the North American title. I don't care. Let's just leave Tyrus with that belt. He can keep doing his interviews on Fox News, and he can keep doing uh, the amount of the uh, commentary work for NWA on their bigger shows, Power and Pay-Per-Views, because I thought he did a great job. Um, did you guys have anything you would like to add to that? DK? Uh, he's good in the announcement. He's a talker. He's a good talker. And that's where he belongs. And keep him out of the wrestling ring. And uh, I'm not going to go as far as Jay. I put the TV title on somebody who the TV title is designed for. And, you know, let's go. Yo. Yeah. Yeah, I'd only add that uh, I like him so much in the booth that we don't need Tim Storm anymore. Nope. Uh, 
the, he, he and Tim bring the same thing to the table and Tyrus brings it better. So, but Tim Storm is great. And I think he ought to be sort of a, forgive me for using the words general manager or commissioner or something. Um, like Executive producer. Right. Uh, that he supposedly shares with uh, Medusa. Um, just, I don't know, put him on power, man. Like, I don't know. He, he's that much of a, of a baby face. I think he'd be great in that kind of role. But you can take him out of the booth now. Just don't put Velvet back in. No. I, I, think, I think that experiment should be concluded now. I think uh, the beautiful people, let them reunite as a tag team. Let her take over the responsibilities that Mae Valentine had on power. I don't really care what you do. Just not back in the booth. If The minute I see her back in the booth, I'm going to really think long and hard about just muting the whole program because uh, it's just not, uh, it's not for me. Um, the first match we get is with uh, Max the Impaler taking on Ella Envy. Now, Max the Impaler's uh, moniker is the non-binary nightmare. Uh, she, her Hell, she's still on the roster page for Ring of Honor. Uh, I, I think that's just a lapse of nobody really monitoring the website at this point. But uh, Max the Impaler could definitely pass for the offspring of somebody like Big Van Vader. Uh, they are big, bad, intimidating, and every much the part that you wanted in this role. Ella Envy was perfect as the foil. Uh, you know, she was the smaller, more docile, but you know, she she had that fighting spirit, if you will. Um, she never stopped going after uh, Maxi and Paler with gusto. You could like, she did the, a great job of being like scared and, and like uh, unsure of herself in the match. But she never stopped kicking. She never stopped punching. I really gained a lot of respect for Ella Envy in this match. Uh, you know, when I, the phrase is respect is earned, Envy earned respect in this match. Uh, the whole time she's getting ragdogged by the Impaler, but just kept fighting back. Uh, however, her strikes, like, really did nothing to the Impaler, who just kept coming time after time, really didn't sell much, uh, gave a lot of offense, took hardly any. Uh, great debut for both of them, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, Max the Impaler wins with her, like, modified backbreaker. I thought it was a pretty good match, a good introduction for Max the Impaler to the NWA audience. Good debut for Ella Envy on power. I hope to see more of them and used uh, more frequently. DK, what were your thoughts? Uh, you know, it's a good opening match. It played what it was supposed to play, the big monster beat up the Valiant underdog. Uh, there's no doubt she'd win, but the Valiant underdog fought bravely before, you know, being squashed like a fly. And it, I don't mean that as harsh as it sounds. It, it was good for what it was. I didn't have any problem with this. It was an opening match. Yay. Tim? Yeah, shades of awesome kong for for me and i wish she had sold a little bit more but i guess that sort of defeats the the purpose in the end you're right jay ella envy it, it's so easy to not look at the at the person lying on their back at the end of the match and the job they did she like the facial she was giving her was like does anything stop you know this person and uh you know, I don't know what it is about about Max too, but she's got this. They excuse me. They have this um, 
crazy wildcat screech. Did you hear that noise that came out yeah. of your mouth? Yeah. It was actually pretty awesome. <laughs> so, I, I enjoyed Max's yeah. debut uh, very much. And like I said, very you said awesome Kong, and that's that's a great callback too. Yeah. I just kept thinking Vader, especially when she was doing those Vader like like just body squashes. She just or they excuse me just jumped and, and, and clobbered Ella Envy, and it's like poor little Ella Envy had nowhere to go. You know, she just got engulfed by this monster. And I think DKM's getting a phone call. <laughs> Uh, what would Lou do said next week we get Max after dark? It's not funny. <laughs> it's not funny, Lou. I don't want any after dark episodes. None. You know uh, what else? We what can you guys explain to me? No. Uh, what, <laughs> why, why did Mike Knox get the first three or four minutes of the show before this match oh. even happened? Yeah, you know, to say I, what to tell us nothing that he's a bad guy, and I see that well, they're naming an event after him down the road. Yeah, <laughs> who's cousin know, is he? <laughs> that that was my goof. Um, so he was supposed to wrestle Harry Smith. I I, I didn't explain that. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> sorry. Uh, can you just, can you explain that? <laughs> what happened so, there? So we were supposed to have Harry Smith versus. Uh, uh, Knox. That was the match that was booked. That was the match that was advertised, um, and it didn't happen because they said that Harry Smith wasn't medically cleared to wrestle. Now, I mean, I don't know if there's any truth to that. I don't know if he missed the booking. I don't know if he was sick. I don't know if he got COVID. And, and you know, we'll we'll never get the real answer to it, anyways. But he just wasn't there. Um, our pal uh, Trevor Murdoch was supposed to take on a returning Captain Yuma, which I was super excited to see because I miss Captain Yuma. Uh, I, I really enjoy Captain Yuma's work. He's my daughter's favorite wrestler. Uh, you know, I've been watching that guy wrestle for damn near 12 years, 13 years. Uh, him and his partner, Kevin Martinson, had won tag team titles all up and down Southern California. Uh, most recently, he had been involved with the championship wrestling from Hollywood, where he had been like a... Uh, the heritage champion for some time. So I've always had uh, an affinity for Yuma. Excuse me. You know what? I take it back. He did not hold the heritage title. That was uh, Avalon, but I still have had an affinity for captain Yuma. No, he held the heritage title right now. Say that again. Um, Yuma's a former heritage champion. Is he? Did I mess up? He'd be Hobo. Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm going to look it up just so I can be certain of it, but uh, I think you're right. Because I think Avalon beat him. Right? Uh, he was uh, he was the Heritage Champion. Yeah. He was the Heritage Champion for 182 days. Unfortunately, Cage Match has zero of his title matches and who, who came or, or who came after him. But yeah, it looks like he beat the Hobo and Peter Avalon beat Yuma. So Thank you. I, I, I thought I was right, but then I doubted myself. And to and Luthez, no, I'm not scaroused about a Max After Dark show. Thank you very much. Uh, but yeah, that's so. So the they would be happy. What's that now? They would be happy. They might be. Uh, Trevor Murdoch was supposed to take on Captain Yuma. That match was changed. Mike Knox was supposed to take on Harry Smith. Uh, Harry Smith was no uh, not at the event. 
So that's that's why he had the few promo in the beginning of the show to kind of explain why the card was changing. Um, next up, we have Sion with Kyle Davis. And what a pivot for Sion, right? I mean, just a couple weeks ago, he wanted nothing more than to be the television champion and to beat, you know, to, to beat Tyrus for that TV title. And now you hear him say nothing but the national championship. That's the belt he wants. And, you know, and he keeps saying national champion, but he never mentions Jack Stane by name. And that's probably because if you say the boogie, boogeyman's name three times in the dark while staring at a mirror, they show up. I think the minute he calls out Jack Staines, he's gonna he's gonna be very disappointed with that decision. Um, and it's not like Jax is a hard guy to find. I mean, he's six foot four, dude's wearing a fur coat, and he's bigger than all day. I mean, not a hard guy to find. Uh, then uh, so Sion is just gets frustrated with Kyle Davis's questioning specifically about who's his father, and uh, he. he Someone came into the comments on the uh, on one of the old videos uh, from a few weeks ago saying that Richie Steamboat was Scion. And I'm not saying he's correct, but I'm saying there's a lot of evidence to state they, he might be correct. Because you got to remember, the age is about the same as Scion. Uh, the look is not too far off. And I mean, you hide the face. We don't know what he really looks like underneath that mask. Uh, you know... DKM, play with us here. What do you think? Can can Sion be Richie Richie Steamboat Ricky Steamboat Jr.? No. <laughs> Fair enough. For those, who don't know, for those who don't know, in the real world, Richie Steam Richie Steamboat Ricky Steamboat Jr. The Steamboat Kid hurt his back as he was trying to develop his career. That put him out of business. So, I mean, I don't know who he is. And can I just reach the point of telling you that I don't care who he is? <laughs> I mean, I know who he is. It's not a big secret. You can find it on the internet easily. It's, again, I don't know where they're going with this angle. I'm sorry. The NWA. Is just another billionaire. He's a millionaire play toy, kind of like the billionaire who has AEW. Nothing has to make sense to anything other than the guy playing with his uh, wrestling toys. You know, we all had the wrestling figures. We had a ring, and we booked our own matches. And, you know, what we did this week didn't have to make any sense to what we did last week. And look at yeah. And uh, that's that's what we got. We got. I don't know who he is. I don't know what the plan is. I don't know why there's a plan. And it's just somebody, somebody, please save me from this, please, 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 please. Tim, do you care who Sion is? No, no. Uh... <laughs> Um, Kyle Davis is the saving grace to a number of NWA segments. Nobody plays his part better than uh, than Kyle Davis. He's got amazing facials. He's got a he's got amazing uh, body language. You know, and when Sion, don't ever ask me again about who my father is. I'm like, he, he's very much a yes sir. I get it. 
You ever seen Kyle Davis without uh, his jacket and tie on? He's jacked. Yeah, he's a big dude. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Um, he used to wrestle. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but he no, was in Ring that. of Honor. Uh, his name was Kyle Durden. Uh, uh, he wrestled yeah. for a brief time before becoming a manager and a mouthpiece. Uh, he actually worked for Dave Marquez's NWA Liberty States, which would later become NWA on Fire. But by the time it became on fire, he was no longer involved with that project. But yeah, Kyle Davis has been around for a long time. And uh, yeah, he's not hes not just some wimp in a suit. He's actually a pretty built dude. He's great on the, he's great on the mic. He's great in the role that they've given him. And he's about the only thing that can make this segment watchable. Just why I bring it up. Uh, that takes us to the Joe Alonzo versus Scion match. Now, I knew nothing about this kid, Joe Alonzo. I barely even knew that the match was booked. Um, but they go they go at it, and they go at it pretty hard. Uh, the commentary, again, I just feel so much better. You know, Tyrus is pointing out that Scion's not even fighting for himself. He He's fighting for his dad, and, 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 and it's just... The way he the way he's trying to put the pieces together makes the match even better as far as I'm concerned. And I, you know, I don't love Tyrus, but I do really enjoy him in this capacity. Uh, the match, like I said, goes back and forth. It's very, it's not your typical NWA match. This is more of like an indie style wrestling match, and they really just let it all out. Uh, a lot of action out on the floor. Uh, you know, Alonzo took that dive where he he kind of hit the ground pretty hard. Um, and it's weird when you watch Scion wrestling too, and Tyrus was kind of explaining it, he gets frustrated while he's in the ring. And when he gets frustrated, you will, you'll notice his style of wrestling changes too, where he's not doing that technical style of wrestling or that more, uh, grappling style of wrestling. He gets very vicious with his forearm strikes or, or whatever kind of attack he's doing at the time. Um, and it gets really brutal, uh, Scion ends up getting the match after three rolling Death Valley drivers. The first one couldn't get the, the pin, so he ended up having to get two more just to beat Alonzo. Both of these guys looked great. I think Alonzo could be a great addition to the NWA in a full t- uh, on a full-time basis. Um, I still hope they figure out something better to do with Scion. Uh, Tim, what were your thoughts on this match? I know you, you tweeted it, but uh, share it with this audience. Yeah, stole the show. Probably stole the season. Uh, best match this season in my recent memory, anyway. Um, uh, Joe Alonzo Jr., I believe, is who he is on Twitter. He's got a great social media presence and some, some cool stuff on uh, on Twitter about behind the scenes in the NWA right now. Um, you know what? I with Scion's performance with Kyle. I just figured, okay, nice uh, squash squash to help us remember that Scion is someone not to be trifled with, even though he apparently can't win the the TV title, so he fails upwards to the national championship, which I don't <laughs> I don't get. Um, and to be surprised to see that I didn't know anything about Alonzo either. Um, to see something this good, and both both of them looking really good when this is done. Um, like I said, there's no, it's not a five-star match, but it's it's the closest thing I think the NWA has produced for for power in in a long time. DKM, your thoughts? 
Well, I mean, I'm going to give Tyrus props here. He's come the closest to anyone to make me care anything about science. That's what uh, I'm saying. In, in isolation, the math was the math was good, but this is where I'm going to go back to my theme from earlier. Longer than it was exciting. Uh, I was ready for it to end. I didn't need uh, Joe Blow to be kicking out of the, you know, finish. I, uh, I had no reason to be interested in this match, other than it was a good match. I can't say I want to watch him wrestle again. Uh, I don't know. That's about it, really. You know, congratulations to Tyrus. He, he at least got me semi-interested in trying to figure out, you know, or to try and uh, uh, think something of Simon. Didn't fully work, but closer than anybody else. I also would like to just shout out uh, Joe Alonzo recently has appeared on SmackDown uh, being defeated by Gunther. Appeared on main event being defeated by Veer Mahan, and uh, looks like he's done a couple of other uh, independent shows. Has appeared on the uh, AEW Dark. I had no idea who this dude was. I mean, he even took a loss to Cody on AEW Dark 30. Uh, but I'm glad to see some fresh blood in the NWA. Uh, it's one of those things we've talked about in the past where there's always this ever evolving carousel of talent. And guys can come and go all the time. I'm more than happy to see guys like Joe Alonzo show up. I hope we can see more of them. Yeah, it had a real one, two, three kid feel to me. Like there were times when I thought, are they just bringing in this guy that nobody knows and they're going to put him over right now? And we've got a brand new town for everyone to look at. I mean, Scion would be that guy, wouldn't he? If you wanted to do that. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, too. Like, how much heat would Sion really lose if he lost that match? Not a lot. Yeah. He doesn't have a whole lot going on for him right now anyways. Like, the, the path to the national title. Hell, they're not even defending the title at uh, Power Trip 2. And uh, so far, he is uh, set to defend against Chris Adonis at the pay-per-view. You don't even see Sion booked for the pay-per-view as it stands. He retweeted uh, me uh, yesterday or the day before and said... Hey, NWA, I want a rematch. So that would be interesting to see these two go at it again. Might see it. You might That's see it. At the... <laughs> <laughs> you might see that at Always Ready. So, um, you know, they haven't announced the junior heavyweight title match there yet either. So, uh, next up, we get Kyle Davis in the back with Jax Dane and Chris Sil Silvio. And Jax Dane looks like a jacked up Dusty Rhodes with that. Fur coat. It reminded me of the days of Magnum TA and Dusty Rhodes coming to uh, the the podium back in the old Jim Crockett promotions with a fur coat. Nothing could look more out of place than Jack Stane in a fur coat. But at the same time, he's the Dane event, so he does what he wants. Um, and he speaks about his upcoming tag team match uh, that will be on this week's NWA USA, also filmed at Power Trip Two. He'll be teaming with Jake Dumas. Um, and Dane says that uh, he isn't a tag team wrestler anymore, but he'll give this kid a shot, let him ride his coattails. Um, classic Dane promo. He calls the uh, NWA USA. It's now called the NWA Dane event. Um, I, I always am happy to see Jack Dane on my TV. DK, what did you think about this one? 
I just love Jacks. So I'm not going to say anything bad about it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. So we'll leave it at that. Mr. Tim Wood. I, I don't dare say anything bad about Jack Stane with the two of <laughs> you guys here. Um, I, I I never think he's he's booked right, but that's okay. He's uh, he's physically amazing. Um, I don't really know Chris Silvio Esquire, who was out there with him in that in that interview. That's his uh, attorney. His attorney, yeah. <laughs> that's, and- that's kind of fun. Yeah. And and uh, that guy is, is very interesting, dude. Like I know he, I know he works with Ohio or had worked with Ohio Valley Wrestling and had been a part of their program for quite some time. When uh, Blake Troop, Bulletproof Blake Troop, wrestled Jordan Clearwater in Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, he was part of that entourage. Which I was like, wait, man, hold on now. I know you don't live in California. Whose dime paid you to come out there just to be part of the entourage? Uh, just very weird dynamic. And then I, I guess, I guess he's married to genocide. Uh, I believe so. Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so he's well connected when it comes to the world of professional wrestling. Uh, I don't really dig the gimmick. I'm fine with him being the mouthpiece for Jack Stain, but as we've seen over the last few weeks, Jack Stain doesn't really need a mouthpiece. His promos are just fun for me. Anyways, I enjoy them. And uh, it was a fine segment. It was good. Um, I'd rather see him wrestling and defending that title, but that's not uh, that's not for me. Oh, you asked for so much. Yeah. <laughs> well, what are they not man enough to do it? Uh, they're not man enough to do it, no, Jay. There. <laughs> but waiting uh, for you to throw that in today. I told you I was going to. Wrestling with MMA says, I have no problem with the NWA naming every show the Dane event. Cheers to that one. Uh, James H. Jackson says, Dane is one of the bright spots of the NWA. Again, I cheers to that one. Willie Bowen says, Jack Dane versus Coward Cardona for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And to that I say, from your lips to Luthez's ears, our wrestling god, let's let's make that happen. Uh, I don't think it's going to, but I'm all for it. Uh, that takes us to the main event. Mike Knox, Trevor Murdoch. Now, I, I showed you guys, or I told you guys, what was supposed to be happening on this show. This is what they advertised. They advertised Trevor Murdoch versus Captain Yuma. They advertised Mike Knox versus Harry Smith. We should have looked at the poster a little bit closer because uh, Jack Stain, or excuse me, uh, uh uh, Harry Smith did not show up. Uh, we did not see Captain Yuma. We just saw a Haas fight between two very large individuals who faced off a handful of times in the NWA, the least of which was this match this night. Probably one of my favorite matches between the two was very, very hands-on, very, very rugged. Uh, just two dudes, two big dudes beating the crap out of each other. Uh, there was that clothesline where Trevor Murdoch took uh, Knox over the top rope, and and he landed really hard on that concrete. I don't know if you guys saw that. And they mentioned it, that he kept wiggling his fingers. And, and Tyrus, again, Tyrus, with this excellent commentary, brings up the fact that he's checking his extremities. He's seen what's still working. And I don't know if that's even what he was really doing, but the, it sounded very believable to me. Um 
neither of these men have been the same since they squared off the last time at hard times two or even on power uh and i did 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 miss harry smith at this event but uh this Haas fight was a lot of fun um and it kind of shows you that maybe maybe knox does deserve to be on this roster uh the good old Haas fight was a uh, good old-fashioned Haas fight was interrupted uh when knox went to get a ring bell to use as a weapon and then put his hands on the referee giving murdoch the win um the match itself was was good a lot of fun but i would have much rather see that bulldog off the top rope to end the match uh but ultimately uh you know the finish is what it is what did you guys think of it dk you go first uh honestly i don't know what they're doing with trevor murdoch and i don't know what they're doing with mike Knoll. outside of his two matches with trevor murdoch he hasn't done a lot other than that short-lived tag team uh Murdoch was kind of heelish, but now they're putting him in a match. And of course, you know, Billy loves heel versus heel matches on the Y. And so now they're putting him in a match. Of course, he's naturally going to get cheered. He had kind of gone from being a not that bright Trevor Murdoch, who got beaten down at the end of all his matches of note, to a badass Trevor Murdoch, who I wanted to know where this guy was when the world championship was made. <laughs> so they faced. They faced, they faced each other twice. Murdoch got clean victories both times. And then this one, they do a screw job disqualification. Like, <clears throat> I, it didn't advance either one of them. It didn't make me go, oh, now I really want to see Trevor, you know, challenge back for the tie. He couldn't be the guy he used to be, you know. So, uh, decent match, horrible finish. Didn't do anything for either guy. Yep, pretty much bang on. Uh, the my the part that made me laugh was when the bell came into the ring. Mike swings, misses, and then gently places it in the in the ring before being clotheslined over the top rope. That made me laugh. Didn't drop it, just actually physically put it down on the mat. Um, anyway, well, you can't damage the ring. There's still other matches that have to take place. <laughs> that's right. Um, he deserves Jay to be on the NWA roster if Trevor Murdoch is going to be used in this capacity at this level, uh, which is a shame. DK's looking at me like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> yes, I'm looking at you like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I mean that Trevor Murdoch's the, the uh, his bad booking continues here with this ending. And so if this is what he's going to get, fine. Have him fight Mike Knox, and Mike Knox and, and his ilk can stay at this level at in the NWA. It's a shame, but uh, if this is what we're going to get, like you said, Jay, where's the bulldog off the top rope here? Also, is this the best one out of the, you said, three times they've met now? Is it? Well, maybe it's, maybe it's not the best one. I just feel like, you know, so... Maybe the other two matches were ruined by Cardona being involved afterwards. Um, oh. the, the thing about it is, I, I think Knox is a guy yeah. who has a lot of potential. I don't need to hear him cut promos. And maybe he's a guy that About five minutes. Oh, no. Uh, but he's a guy that could go out there and be believable, right? Um, 
if you have him go out there and squash the ill-begotten, if you go out there and have him get a couple of, you know, uh, enhancement victories, and then put him in the ring with a guy like Tyrus, or put him in the ring with a guy like Jack Stain, and I know that's a heel-on-heel -heel match, and then we don't normally talk about heel-on-heel -heel matches, but it would be a good victory for the champion. I, I don't well, need to see Mike Knox. Well, yeah, but I think that was the original plan, but he didn't show up. Well, I know, but in, in other words, I'm saying if you put him with Harry Smith, you can put him in with Nick Aldis, who's a big guy. You know, people forget how big Aldis is. Put him in with Doug Williams, who, you know, actually of the three of them, he's the one that kind of scares me. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think the, the problem with Mike Knox is he hasn't – so the, the biggest problem in the whole picture here is that the booking is very suspect. And, like, you know, Nick Aldis gets a title shot because he beat – who? Because he, he potentially beats Brian Myers, because he beat Ari Davari, and he because he he beat uh, Michael Bennett. Like to me, that no, and to me that doesn't spell like world championship uh, caliber opponent. And if anything, always ready. It should have been somebody other than Aldist. Again, Elijah Burke had a better claim because of his match with Matt Cardona on the TV taping, I think would have been more interesting and more compelling. They could have even played it up with Velvet Sky gave Pope the shot. You know, here, I still have this. You take it and let me be your manager for the night. Even that would have been more promising, I think, to me than what they are doing now. So, I mean, the bad booking with all this, and it just goes all the way down the card. You've got a guy like Mike Knox who can be used to make your champions more believable or your baby face is more believable or or really anything right like we still haven't got mike knox versus the pope in a one-on-one -on -one match have we and 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 that's the guy that the pope or that uh mike knox is the guy that put pope out we didn't get that match yet i mean come on what's going on here that was that was an easy match to have booked that there could have been some real yeah almost and I don't think we got that match unless I, you know, I, unless I'm having a stroke or something. For some reason, I'm thinking we might have, but I don't think it went anywhere. I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. I know we, I know they took, they faced each other at the Crockett Cup, right? Um, well, they were in the tag team in the Crockett Cup, but I thought like, I think his, I think like one of his first match backs, maybe the original power trip or something like that, but he ended up losing because he got too emotional. Right. You're right. Uh, Knox defeated the Pope at the first power trip. So you're right. Okay. But even to me, that I feel like that match would have been better suited uh, than, than than this one. Yeah. They put it on TV because I honestly don't actually remember it that well. Yeah. It was on Power Trip uh, Night 2, the, the second episode of Power Trip. Mm -hmm. But that just shows you how much of a throwaway match it was. None of us maybe tim remembered i didn't remember nope. it even happening no i don't remember it but you know i i know they're scrambling here but this is like a this was a feud that started with mike comes into the cage out of nowhere oh my god it's mike knox half of the people i'm sure going who's mike knox but locked himself in the cage and beat the you know he beat uh trevor up in front of his kid in front of his wife and you know and then we had that that little build that burned to, you know, where Trevor did get that, that, uh, that victory. He did. I'm sure it was a, the bulldog or the pile driver or whatever it was that he finished knocks off with the second time they met. Why are we doing this again? 
Yeah. Especially with Mike at the beginning of the show going, I don't know, you guys want to see me beat up Trevor Murdoch? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's the thing about that Oak Grove, Kentucky crowd. Why, why I think these shows should be where they take power because that audience was into everything. All right. night they were hot. And, you know, I get it that it's partially because that the uh, NWA uh, doesn't run there very often. They, they run like uh, so far it's been three times in the last year. But uh, I think that could be a really good hot spot for them. I mean, Mike Knox doesn't have a storied career with the NWA. Uh, back in 2003, he appeared in Zero One as part of the UPW versus Zero One uh, relationship where he and and another gentleman took on uh, Masato Tanaka and Shinjiro Otani. I don't think anybody remembers that. Uh, you know, Mike Knox came to NWA Texoma back in 2016 and got beat by uh, Apocalypse. Uh, Gene Snitsky and Mike Knox teamed up against Andrew Anderson and Rodney Mack in New Jersey back in 2017, one of the last NWA shows before Billy Corgan took over. And then we didn't see uh, uh, Mike Knox in an NWA ring again until December of 2021, and he's had 11 matches in the NWA since then, and I don't think one of them has been memorable or, or, or anything. Hasn't done a whole lot. Uh, the, his his losses to Trevor Murdoch didn't really propel Trevor Murdoch to a, a higher level. It just it just happened, and and I think that's the problem with the NWA is like these bookings, like they need to be meaningful. And again, like uh, to to Dcam's point from many many episodes of this podcast, twenty year plan nothing. They can't even get TV right. They can't get a story a simple story told. That, that makes both talents look good at the end, or if you're going to make somebody look bad, build them back up again so that they can be used in another way. It's all a recycling project, right? You're taking these talents who are known elsewhere, you put them in, you put these interesting storylines together, and then compelling wrestling, and we buy into it. But the disconnect is we're not getting the interesting storyline. We're not getting these things built up, so it's just kind of all pointless. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> a wrestling with MMA says, can someone please hide the yeah, I'm Mike from wrestling shirt? No one has ever walked up to him and asked if he was Mike Knox from wrestling. That's maybe our, our buddy Vince says it wasn't a good match, Jay, to be honest, but you're right. The booking is confusing. They need some help there. A lot of the former WWE behind the scene guys are, are out there looking for work now. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's not like they don't have some creative people that are on that show, both in the front of the camera and behind the camera. So, but uh, you know what? I I know we uh, we tend to like to keep the show about two hours, so we wrapped it up early tonight. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Wow, how did that happen? There was only three matches on power, and there wasn't <laughs> enough promos. Um. With that being said, uh, please come back next week on Tuesday for the pre-party where me and the illustrious Mr. Tim Wood will be announcing the winner of either the Dome Globe Championship or the Royal Crown Championship. Uh, Tim is very kindly going to be offering one of those titles to one of our subscribers. And there's a hundred or one 
1,010 subscribers now. Uh, and trust me, like at least 20 of those aren't even going to be counted because they're mostly my friends and family. So that won't happen. And DKM is not going to, to win the title. And of course, Tim doesn't want to win the title. That's why he's offering to give it away. You cannot prove um, that 700 of those accounts are mine. I, I, I cannot. And I don't want to, I don't want to know. As far just, as just saying, that cannot YouTube, be proven. YouTube, hey, I don't want to know. I, I have a very important question to ask Tim. Uh-oh. Where's your uh, white mask from when you wrestled as Mr. Wrestling? Yeah, I wrestled. I, I, I've been thinking of wrestling as Mr. Wrestling 4, because I don't think there's one of those yet. Uh, that's, a, that's a woods. I'm a wood, so I am the inferior of the two. Oh, okay. Well, you should still have you should still have one of his mask. I should, I should. I've got a. And, and his one. was the all white mask, not the white, the black trim. That was Mr. Wrestling number two. Right. I got a wrestling mask straight from Mexico. Hey, I have some trivia for you since we have a. Uh, Two more minutes or so. Okay. Our buddy Scion has held an NWA title in a former NWA promotion. Do you know which one? Look at look at him immediately go typing in. <laughs> you can see him. I'm not look. I'm not going to answer, but I'm like uh, you're you're kind of ruining the surprise of the mass mystery man that we don't normally bring up. But uh, you go right ahead. Oh, I'm not, I'm not telling you who. I'm just saying he's. I'm just saying he's he's actually held a title. I'm not even telling you a title, but he has held the title before in the NWA. So just just know that. Hmm. <laughs> uh, well, that was great. Uh, Please join us uh, Tuesday, like I said, as part of the pre-party. Our, our good pal, our buddy Tim, who will be on this podcast more frequently, guys. Uh, I hope you're all good with that because uh, it doesn't really matter. I've already made that decision. He's not getting an equal cut. See? There is no equal cut. You're the only one that gets paid on this show. <laughs> as long as it's me. Yeah, it's you. Um you're that pay for play that's the payola type thing right uh pay yeah, to play exactly uh, and then uh also next tuesday uh the hour after power uh we'll be talking to former nwa referee jeff capo uh about his time with the national wrestling alliance he's uh he was a referee during some of the golden era of the uh post tna era of the nwa so like he he did a lot of refereeing for NWA Virginia, uh, was the official for the Damian Wayne versus Adam Pierce, uh, Adam Pierce matches that were happening uh, in that time. And uh, my camera just died just now. So anyways, that's going to do it for us. If, uh, if they want to follow you on social media, DK, how do they do that? At DKMFWTX. You can find me primarily on Twitter if you uh, want to, or you'll get, some wrestling views and some football views and occasionally political views. And Mr. Tim, how can they follow you on the socials? Uh, I do have a website. I did start updating it a little bit, uh, but it's got a long way to go to get all the stuff that's on the other social medias, but that's nwagold.com. But 
I'm at NWA Gold or NWA Championships on anywhere else that you care to find. Well, then that's going to do it for us, guys. Again, thank you so much for being here. We do appreciate you being here each and every week. And until next time, we will see you at the matches. Good night now. Thanks for joining the stream. This has been a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support. Would you consider subscribing so you'll never miss a future episode? I'd also like to remind you we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m. before NWA Power. You can find us on social media at The Alliance Blog. And until next time, we are The Alliance.